Guys, over the last several years, you've come to expect week by week content between myself and some iteration of Mina and Joe. And there's been very few occasions where I've deviated from that course and brought in a guest. But tonight's episode is literally called a Champions League night in Milan. And I had to bring in not just a Milan fan, but one named Milan to tell us all about it. We hope you enjoy episode number 190 of the Joyce Wall podcast. Milan went to Milan. Let's get that out of the way and bear witness to the story of what this man has to say. 75,000 at San Siro, unified by a dream, a UEFA night in midweek, screaming that Champions League theme. It's the Renaissance, man. The true revival of art and the canvas was the pitch. My oh my, where to start? Magnan is undisputed. And unless we're asking the chicks, we're guaranteed clean sheets with Magic Mike between the sticks. Leal let him know. Showed Kvada down the door, the true king of the jungle, hear that ferocious lion roar. Brahim went on a run to let the world know. He embodies that Getuso quote, but at times can steal the show. Now the Maradona awaits. It must be perfect like the 10. Rafa said, I got a brace here last time. I can do it again. There's nothing easy at the top. Avoid the bitterness of defeat. But this side has done it before. They showed Napoli can be beat. And in the perfect circumstance, Milan go three for three queuing up many men who wish death upon me from the touchline to the rafters built up a full head of steam to push the club across the line and finally witness this team in a champions league semi-final staring at their city rival or the eagles from lisbon fighting for everything like a prison the ambition is set and everything is clear forza milano the second leg is here boom that was hey the craziest bars i've ever heard in my life Come on, bro. Hey, that was it's coming wild. to be. If we don't do them every 10 episodes or so, the people start to get, they honestly just start to overflow. So I had to load them up. Guys, welcome to episode number 190 of the Jersey Wall podcast. You won't get this anywhere else, by the way. The spoken word intro on a Milan-specific episode. First of all, let me introduce my guest. Milan, Stanchu, Milan fan. Brother, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, brother. I'm a big fan of the show. Keep up with you guys every week, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. I love it, dude. And for those who don't know, because you're just listening to this, I got a standing ovation for that one. Not even Mina and Joe give me standing ovations. They're just, at that point, just in awe, laid back, melted into their chairs. But I'm glad. That was the first standing ovation I ever got for the bar. So thank you for that, bro. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the poem. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. I tell you, bro, when I wrote, the, especially the Manuel line, I was like, oh, oh God, the so clean, clean sheets. That's Come when you heard me go, holy. That's, my sister was like, but aren't people going to get upset? Because you said the chicks. I'm like, no, 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 you have to understand. He goes by Magic Mike. Like, he doesn't have like clean sheets because it's disputed because they would say that the sheets aren't clean but he oh, always produces goodness. the dude come on this isn't a poetry examination podcast <laughs> but damn at times we just have to dissect those bars like bro 10 weeks from now we have tjw 200 where we're gonna go through like my all-time greatest bars for this i can't wait i'm for gonna it, be dude. honest this one's gotta be in the top three it has to be i i mean i've heard a few of them but like this right. one for sure has got to be up there i mean no bias in your in your commentary for that right uh, gotta hold the heads up there <laughs> in the champions league preview episode i said something along the lines of milan bringing the heat like they forgot the ac and i was like yeah. oh that's such a good line like bro that was such a bar too anyway guys welcome to the show tonight's episode is called a champions league night in milan because normally we just do we react to champions league content and we dissect games and do analysis and everything else but when we do team specific episodes, you guys will know whether it's a rebuild, whether it's like a, a project takeover, or we're trying to fix something for a specific club. 
we have to do team-specific episodes at times. And when I saw Milan midweek that you were not only going to Milan, but you told me you were going to watch this game, I was like, dude, I got to hear about this. Like, this has to be, you have to be on the podcast. And I love that you sent me that message there. You're like, bro, book it next week. I'm coming on the pod. Anytime, any place, let's do it. I'm so happy you're here. Man, tell us all about it. What the hell is it like, especially on this side of the pond, right? Because we'd have no experience with that. I've been to games in Europe. So is Mina, so is Joe. We've all had that experience before. Even if you're listening to this, hopefully everybody gets a chance to if you haven't already. But the Champions League's different, right? When that anthem hits, walk me through this because you've seen your team play before, but in the flesh, you watched your team play in the Champions League, sing that anthem and beat the best team in Europe this season. Spare no detail i want it all man to tell this story i gotta go back to the to the last time oh. i went to the first time i came to the milan game right so um as you guys know uh nathan is also a sport media graduate from the same program as myself uh last year i was when i graduated and i decided you know as a grad gift for myself i'm gonna save up for a trip and go, like there's been talks about the sun zero being torn down and you know we were at that point it wasn't confirmed that we were gonna win it all uh, in terms of the Scudetto, but we were looking good. We were in that race. And I was like, you know what? There's the last home game of the season falls at a, around a time that I can be there for it. So I planned the trip. I bought like er, hella early. I bought tickets for the Milan Atalanta game for seven rows from the field for 44 euros, by the way, which is 60 CAD. Well, let's talk about that, right? Because what's 60 CAD going to get you at a TFC game? Dude, nothing. Maybe you could buy beers? tickets. Maybe I was watching. Honestly, literally three beers worth. I was watching earlier today the Valor versus York nine game, and you could get tickets for the front row at that game for sixty dollars Canadian. And you're out here, went to the San Siro, bro, and watched the game live for the same on the price. final That's home absolutely. game of the season. You know That's what I mean? Insane. Like, yeah. and it and not to say it was a team that like like Atalanta is like a pretty yeah. well-oiled machine at least in the last uh, last 10 years they've been fantastic sure. in Serie A you know what I mean yeah. for me to be able to get tickets for that game for that cheap it was it was fate right yeah um so what had happened when I was at that game so match day I'm you know walking around grabbing a coffee before the game I was walking around my tail I had a the away kit the tail away kit and this guy comes up to me and he's like oh are you going to the match there are you going to the match there it was this Korean guy and then um I'm like, oh, I am. He goes, oh, I bought these tickets uh, on Viagogo, which is basically like their really sketchy website to buy like reused tickets kind of thing, right? Okay. I bought these yep. tickets on Viagogo. I'm having a lot of trouble changing the name, this, that, and the other. Like I've come from Korea all the way for this match. And like, I don't know how to, uh... I'm like, hey, I, I don't really know much, but like, I'm if you want, you can try to go to Casa Milan, which is like the headquarters where they have the museum. And that's where, you know, Maldini and everyone works. And you can probably get it fixed over there, right? He goes, okay, perfect, perfect. I grabbed his Instagram and then uh, I, I messaged him later on in the day. Hey, everything go well? He goes, yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, I got my name changed on the ticket. Everything's good. I'll see you at the match. I was like, all right. I walk into that stadium. Who is sitting a row in front of me in that stadium? <laughs> the same dude. Had to be the same guy. dude, right? So whatever, this game happens, you know, fantastic experience tail scores you know a pushkash nominated goal where he ran the entire pitch layout you know does layout things as per usual it was it was an experience like no other and back then i had a t uh, post on my instagram spam instagram where i basically posted a picture of the sun zero and it was something along the lines of the sun zero is so beautiful i wish i can visit it one day and mm -hmm. then i took a selfie in the sun zero and i said dreams really do come true and my tweet popped like yeah. popped like 500 I think I saw that likes tweet. I think I like that tweet yeah like 500 likes oh it popped right so then a bunch of Milan fans like found me 
And it turns out this guy from Saudi Arabia, this uh, fellow Milan fan named Sultan from Saudi Arabia, also saw it. And it turns out he was sitting a few rows behind me as well. And he no, met kidding. the same Korean guy that same day. <laughs> and I had no, I had no knowledge about this until last week, that we right. met the exact same guy in the exact same day. Wow. Just coincidences like that, right? So me and Sultan kept in touch afterwards, just speaking about Milan every now and again. And he said, "I have season tickets for the games. Uh, I sit in the, you know, the box." So, you know, we're literally where Baresi yeah. and Costa Curta and, you know, uh, Zambrota and all these legends sit. And he's like, I have tickets. So if you ever come back to a game, uh, I, I'll help you get a ticket. I'll get you, I'll get a ticket for you. I'm like, you know, I've never met this guy. Like, I'll, all right, we'll, we'll see. Right. Yeah. But I told myself, first and foremost, I told everyone that Milan was making it at least to the quarterfinals and everyone laughed in my face. Like, well, I, I, I want everyone let that be known that we're making at least the quarterfinals and everyone laughed in my face saying I'm biased and this, that, and the other. And then once I saw that result for Tottenham, I said, all right, I'm booking off. I looked at the scheduling. I'm booking off. Probably the first leg is going to be in Milan. And that's exactly what had happened. I went and booked a flight for the four days. Uh, and then I told, I messaged Sultan. I told him, Hey, I'm coming to Milan. He goes, okay, I got your ticket. He oh got my me God. my ticket. No questions asked through his wow. friend that works for the club named Redwan, who works admin for the club. And this guy knows every, like when I tell you, he knows everything. Right. He knows everything. Like, like he basically, he is on a, like a first name basis with Maldini, with Ibra, with Pioli, yeah. with man, his be- one of his best friends is Jeffrey Moncada. I don't know if you know him. He's a uh, Milan scouting agent so he's the guy that brought okay. us kalulu he's the guy that brought us mm. malik chow he's he's our main scout chief scout for specifically the youngsters um right now we're in talks about resigning him, so it's still up in the air but yeah when i i basically went out with redwan and and sultan and that guy got me my tickets and then so redwan got us through to the parking lot to the section where the players and the ref and the napoli players go through before they go and leave stop i'm getting pictures i have this right here, if you can see that right there. Oh, tell the people. What are you holding up for the a audio? signed only? Paolo Maldini card. Dude. In which there's video footage of me speaking to Maldini saying, hey, can you please sign this? And this guy says, you're welcome. To me, Dude. this guy knows I exist. That's absolutely. I feel like I know him now, personally. Like, through you. The fact that I was on an IG Live, and then, you know, Zambrota just walks past me. I'm like, ciao, Gianluca. And he goes, hey, what's up? And then oh Nicholas Bentner passed by me. And the then the, Lord, FIFA 12 got, the yeah, Lord, the the Lord from FIFA 12, 13 and onwards, dude. Oh, wow. You had, just I had Bentner. I had, um, I saw Sheva and Maldini sitting just a section away from me. But as wow. was around, um, Dida, Abate, Ignazio Abate, who's our no shortage of coach. legends at, uh, at AC Milan, huh? Oh man. It was, it was it's just a name dropping. Like it's nobody's business. Here, right? Like people, <laughs> right. Just bumping elbows with the coolest people of all time. Like, yeah, That's you know, saying. and the ticket was comp too. You're like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> man. So then was... you got to go to that. And now, so once we've entered the stadium, take me from here. Now the best part of the champions league game, listen, it could be debated. You got team 90 minutes and you got team that anthem. Dude. The fact that you got both. It's just preposterous. How does that anthem sound? Because it you can feel it. all of us have listened to that through the TV and screamed that as we watch our team. Before play that it anthem, in that game. 
before that anthem, I walk in and I hear Pioli's on fire, which is a different anthem for us <laughs> Milan fans. When the whole stadium, it's not even full yet. It, we're still filling up, you know, 40 minutes before match, uh, right. before kickoff. And everyone's yelling, Pioli's on fire. It's chaos. Like, like it was the same. It was the same in uh, in May when I went to go see the Atalanta match. But mm. like, you know, on a Champions League night when it was it was raining as well. To be honest, like, most people say, oh, you're, you're at a match when it's raining. That was the most elite vibe. Yeah. But the Champions League, the like the banners, the thing in the, right. the, the tarp in the middle where they're shaking it up. Oh, my goodness. And then the Napoli uh, players get announced. And then the whole stadium is whistling for the entire two minutes of them right. being announced. <laughs> you don't hear anything but whistles. You see that one 5,000-seat section where Napoli fans are yeah. you know, crazy, first and foremost. I don't know if you read up on what the kind of behavior they were putting up. But, I mean... Throwing bottles so of urine, crazy, like like genuinely crazy, right? right? That's what the people know. They're like, listen, we're coming, we're not coming to take part, we're coming to take over, only to get drowned out by what I imagine was <laughs> seventy thousand of the seventy-five thousand capacity, booing them out of the building. And you know what, man? Like, I'll be honest with you. Before, like, and I want to get back to this, but just like that, the fact that you just went two for two against them, you're approaching a sweep here, and I'd imagine that atmosphere coming off that. 4-0 win in the league kind of said hey like in case there was doubt that we could do this don't forget who we are right we're still reigning defending champs you haven't won anything yet and you might be the best team this season but pedigree means something and we'll kick your ass this time next time and the time after that let's get back to the anthem yeah man man i i knew going into that 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 was going to be the craziest experience of my life because the amount of times you know i play in a co-ed league on tuesday nights uh, right. at the hangar in Toronto. It's the same experience when me and my buddy are driving down from Richmond Hill and we're bumping that anthem and the second it goes, <laughs> I just start yelling, yeah, roll the windows down and everything, yeah. driving down the 404. You, you know how it is, right? Um, of course, bro. But, you know, hearing that, like, the video that I have, so the video that I posted was not the complete video because mm. I have the video from when it started and the second I realized that anthem is playing, the goosebumps that, that lifted up on my yeah. arms made me like like audibly scream like a girl. Like like I like right. yeah. high pitched shriek, right? Like shriek, yeah. But I'm like, I can't post that. Like I can't post no. like people can't <laughs> can't see that. I cut it up a little bit. I gave right. I gave him the, you know, I gave him a good taste of it. And yeah. man, the entire stadium, just the second it gets to that part, the chubby. Oh my goodness. Uh, there, I don't think honest to God, I'm biased, right? I, I know yeah. this, I'm biased. But there is not a louder stadium in Europe for that specific song. I don't even think mm. Bernabeu is that loud for that. I don't. I like. I truly don't believe that. Honestly, you are the only person that I've met in person on the show who has attended the game and screamed that anthem. So technically, no one, at least on the Jersey Wall grounds, can refute that claim. If you say it with your chest and you say there is no stadium like the San Siro to scream the Champions League anthem, we got to hold our hands up. We got to go listen. I get. He's right. He's one of one. Who are we gonna get? To, who are we gonna get? Are we gonna get somebody else to say no, no, no? It's got to be this team. I couldn't tell you, bro. Seventy-five thousand is a crazy capacity for a stadium, too, right? And for everybody to be backing that song, right? Even if and that's Napoli fans are about to scream that too. That's literally just seventy-five thousand screaming that anthem, screaming the champions before the game starts. And by the way, the atmosphere there—you're right. It's in that rain. It's different, right? Everybody knows when you play footy in the rain. It's different. Everything hits you differently. The TIFO looked outstanding. By the way, just from what you put on your story, I saw that. I'm like, oh my God, that's spectacular, man. 
it was, it was unbelievable, like man. I had a buddy that was sitting in the curva as well. And he was telling me, he was telling me that they were planning that like two weeks in advance, they started painting that, uh, mm. that Tifo. And, uh, you know, I, I actually, funny enough, I have it on me right here. Stop. I kept the, <laughs> the plastic bag that they give you at the seats yeah. for the Tifo that the, that the fans make, you know, where it said like, this is yeah, Milan. Yeah. And then on the left, they had the Champions League trophy for seven. I had to right. keep this for memories because this of is... Of course, bro. Man, like for me to be able to say that I was at a Champions League match was one thing. For me to be able to say where I was sitting is a completely different thing. And mm-hmm. the fact that I witnessed a goal, a win, and not just any... It was a fantastic goal. Like, we'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The goal is like the way... And that game was... As much as it was a lot of Napoli and a lot of, you know, you were saying that we're coming off of just beating them for nothing in the league. They were coming out aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. And they came into that match very aggressive, you know, with their foot on the gas right away. And we still came out with, with a fantastic result. Uh, yeah. And yeah, man, it was unbelievable. Like, honestly, I don't think I'll ever be able to experience something like I did then. And I thought that when I went to watch right. an Atalanta match where I saw Pushkash nominated goal, you know, one game away from being a Serie A champion for the first time in 10 years, mm-hmm. Ibrahimovic in the stands, you know, oh, unbelievable. Yeah, that's absolutely just I, I can't put into words like I'm not often left speechless on this show, but I'm like, I feel like I'm living vicariously through you. Sometimes the very first time that I saw Mina go to Old Trafford and experience a game there, I felt elation for him. It's a rare sensation to feel that for somebody else, right? To be like, yo, I'm so happy that you got to live your dream. It's a different set of feeling. It's not envy. It's not anger. It's not like jealousy or anything like that. It's literally just yo i mean it's a little bit of jealousy don't give you wrong but it's all it's mostly all like i feel how happy that experience made you and then it wasn't like you got it, it would have been one thing if you went there experienced that anthem and lost you still would have walked away with that like you know what man we're not making excuses heads are held high we still went out there we folded them in the league like we you know we, we couldn't get the job done tonight but at least we got to experience this you experienced the win too and if we go through it as purely like and we'll move on to the jersey wall analysis portion of this before we carry through our show the game itself, right? We've gone through pretty much all the lead up, right? Up to this point, the game itself, Napoli came out. Did you think you're walking out of there with a win? Like probably not with the 4-0 like you had on, uh, on the weekend, but do you think it would be like either a barn burner game or 2-2? Do you think like, oh shit, if they come out or did the fact that Osman didn't play, you're like, nah, no chance, bro. We're going to fold them. No Osman, no party. Can I be honest? My prediction was 3-1 Milan. Yes. Don't fly all the way over thinking you're going to lose, bro. You got to go over there thinking you're going to win. But the thing is, my goal predictions were a little wonky. I'll be honest. (laughs) So um, if you're, you know, if you're a little bit more well aware of, you know, the transfer market of Milan in the last year or two, you'll know we don't really spend that much money. It's, you know, it's a little harder in Italy with, you know, financial fair play and this, that and the other. But we made a big splash in buying a young Belgian midfielder named Charles de Catellare uh, back in back in July, August. And he has not scored a goal yet. Mm. All season. I believe he might have one assist on the year. It was to lay mm. out early, early on. And it's been it's been a very, very tough time for him. But nevertheless, I something told me I said. De Catellari brace today. I knew he wasn't even starting. And I said, I kept telling everyone De Catellari brace. And, and everyone would be like, if De Catellari even scores one goal, I'll buy you a kit. I'll buy you whatever you want. Right. I, just, just, <laughs> we'll see. Like, I, no one believed yeah. in me. But yeah, I said De Catellari brace. And I was given Leal one goal. And then I gave Kavada a chance at one goal. But I mean, yeah. 
I should have known better in the sense that I don't know what it is because Davide Calabria, he's been very hit and miss in the last season. That's a perfect. But whenever he comes up against Kvara, I don't know. This guy turns off. Like like Kvara, mm. I see I seen him like kill Liverpool, like like a pretty strong Liverpool side. Like I've seen him destroy teams, like feast on defenses. Yeah. He can't do anything against Calabria. I don't know what it is. Like Calabria has him has his number. Like it's it's so crazy to me how much he like he steps up his game when he plays against. I guess he plays up to his you know up to the opposition, the which is yeah. which is really cool. But in the same sense, like you know when you're playing Berardi and Berardi's putting five past you, yeah, <laughs> you got to figure something out here, guys. Right, and it, I mean it speaks largely to the balance of AC Milan, right? Like we know how left-sided heavy and left-side dominant AC Milan are because of course, Leao and Teo, who are two of the best in the world in their respective positions, take up one side. And the other side is Calabria, I guess at times. You got who, Salamikers at times is on the wing. If not, it's Brahim. Like it's a one side, it's very one-sided in the way that they approach things. So I guess if you can get Napoli thinking, that's the side for us to abuse. And Calabria's like, bro, I just got to make sure I don't, I don't let him do his thing. It's a tall order, but he's done it now two times. The big, the big test would be when Osiman's back. And now it's the duo that's reunited, not just lock out the man, but the partnership that these dudes form. Because, oh God, like, and you have to, like, even just giving full respect to Osiman and Kavaradana, what they've done this season, I'd imagine when they're both fit and they both will be fit and playing for the second leg, you're going to back your team. You're always going to back your team. I'm not going to say we're going to lose. Expectations wise, in terms of what you've seen from the last two games, do you think that'll translate through and, and Milan are actually going to reach the semi? Or you think it's like, all right, we've had our fun. This has been good. But, uh, you know, quality will eventually persist. And they seem to this season have at least the better the betterments in terms of form and, and, and quality. I look at it like this. At the end of the day, those are two fantastic players that are, you know, in my opinion, worth 100 million plus in, in Oshiman and Cuadradona. But a player that's not being mentioned and to me, maybe it's because I watch a lot of Serie A, but I do watch a lot of football in general. Hmm. Him and Jay is the best defender in the world this year. Bro, we were saying that a couple weeks back on Him this show. Him and Jay is the best Absolutely. defender in the world this year, and he'll be missing that second leg mm. uh, due to suspension. And then you look at the red card that uh, Zambo and Gisa received yep. later on in that game as That's well, who's point. pivotal in that midfield, in that double yeah, pivot with Zielinski, with uh, you know Elmas. Like, he's very, very important yeah. to that midfield. Lobotka, right? Lobotka as well, who's been very, very good this year. And even, like, I'll go as far to say as when Politano did sub on, he gave Teo a very, very hard time on that on that right mm. side. And that's, you know, there's there's some danger from that team. But at the end of the day, they're going to be missing their best defender, which gives me a hope that we can at least get one more on right. this side. Because I don't, I don't, the one thing, weakness I do see in Napoli entirely is their goalkeeping. Uh, yeah. I don't, th- let's be honest here, because... If you have to isolate is- something, for sure, that's just, yeah, the quality isn't there. It's a one position, right? We can't say defense is still four guys. Midfield is still three guys in the attack. They have probably the best attacking duo in Europe as part of their front three. You're right. If you have to isolate one, it's not even an insult necessarily to say. Just by default, who else you got? But then when you have someone like Kim and Jay, it's kind of the same thing that we saw with when Van Dyke came to Liverpool. As much as they did mm. have... Well, this was, I guess, when he came, it was just before Allison came, right? So they had, you know, a weaker goalkeeper, but they had a strong defense that he built up, right? He brought out the best in giving, you know, 
Trent and Robertson freedom to go down those flanks and send the balls in. And that's why they were so, so good defensively. Yeah. Um, and I see the same thing with Kim and Jay because he organizes that back line so well. Because at the end of the day, Mario Rui prior to this season was a nobody. And oh, he, yeah. He, no, as I wrote a Portuguese him off. fan. As a he, chap, yeah. Dude, 100%. I was like, dude, this is he's an embodiment of what's wrong with the national. He's old, right? He is, he's got no shortage of problems. He's, he's mediocre one way, but worse the other way. Therefore, people think that he's good at one element of his game, but it's not. It's all perspective, right? It's not that he's actually good. Mind you, this season, he's had a pretty good renaissance. And you're right. You're right to attribute it to one unsung hero can make the difference for the team and liberate a lot more. And that's when we shouted him out two weeks ago. The unsung heroes who can make a difference in the final stretch of the season. We said Kim Min Jae is that dude for Napoli. And if he's going to miss the second leg, you're absolutely right. That'll be it like colossal loss because even for Zambo and Gisa if they slide in Dombele in you can make tactical adjustments to incorporate you know the B plan but you're right when you're losing the cornerstone of your defensive empire to try to shut out teams because let's be real Milan aren't lacking attacking prowess right like for all even if it's if it's slightly worse than last season Leao can still deliver Teo can still deliver apparently Brahim can turn it on and just run the length of the pitch if he needs to at times. Don't know where that came from, right? But there are options for them to enter who's the, the ageless fine wine, you know, clutch boy that he is. The answers are, there are, of course, you got the Giroud jersey. Yeah, that has to be, bro. The, he's another unsung hero for that team, isn't he? But largely, the point is here, the question wouldn't necessarily be, are AC Milan able to score, right? Because we know that they have that ability. It's, are Napoli going to be able to outscore them while shutting them out? And you're right to say, bro, if you lose the, your big boy defender who keeps your team in check, it bodes well for you. We could say that. It bodes well. Because if we look at it this way, realistically, position by position, who would be slotting in instead of Kim Min-Jae? I look at Juan Jesus. Mm. And I look at potentially, I mean, Rahmani already starts. So it would probably be someone of, I don't know if Maximovic is even in the Champions League squad. I, to be honest, like. I wonder. Kim Min Jae is like, I've only, every time I've watched Napoli, he's played in those matches. The same way, you know, when Manyan is mm-hmm. healthy, he is like, we don't talk Such about it enough, maker. but, but Such this a guy, difference maker. as much as he changes the defense, he changes the attack with his distribution play. Like the way this guy sends the ball, like how many assists did he get last season alone to lay out just by kicking the ball up to him because he could just ping him like that. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's the same, the same effect that Kim Min Jae has on that squad. So, I mean, they will be playing like their life's dependent on it because at the end of the day, in terms of us being in fourth and them being in first, they're 20 points clear of us in the table. They know no yeah. one's catching up to them in the right. city. Yeah. They, they know this, right? But we're looking at, they got to look at us the same way because we just played against Bologna just yesterday and we had 10 players switched. We mm. had, a, other than Mignan, all of our starters were subbed. So right. Balotere pl- uh, played instead of Teo. Rebic played instead of Leao. Um, you know, Aster ranks along with Tomas Wabega played in the double pivot instead of both of our regular Divock yeah. Origi got minutes. You know what I mean? Like we're yeah. we're going all out. That's a sound the day, alarm kind of problem there. When when Divock Origi starts getting minutes, bro, you know you're in the trenches. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you got to look at it that you only should you know focus on both because at the end of the day, if we do go out on Tuesday and then mm-hmm. top four is squandered, this is going to be looked at as a failure of a season. Right. But you have to make that decision because if you don't rest those players and they come into that game exhausted you'll see the problems. And I can yeah. speak for that because when I went through that, you know, that parking lot and I see how tired these players are, I, I can yeah. see like these guys need a right. break. Yeah. They're leaving it um, out there for sure. For sure. And I'm very optimistic. If I were to make a prediction right now on to what the result is going to be on Tuesday, 
I'll give it a 1-0. A 1-0 Milan again. All right, bro. I like it. Recency bias, right? History repeats itself. Why right. not? You've been decent when going there this season, right? So who's to say? Who says no? I think in terms of analysis for that game, by the time people are listening to this, that game could have already done. We could be right. We could be wrong. We have no idea what's going to happen. I have to incorporate TJW history into this because... Listen, I don't know if I don't know if you know this, but long-term listeners of the podcast will know when we get something wrong on the Drizzle wall, we just address it very simply. We drop it, we just let it go, we say whoops, and that's it. We move on. We just go whoops. We were we had written off Milan before this fixture had started. We went, hold on, look at what Napoli are doing. Napoli are the best team in Europe. Milan fell off from where they were last season, and this was before that 4-0 had happened, right? This was also looking at what's what's the problem with Milan right now? Can't stay fit, right? Stars are missing week in, week out. Magnon can't get in the team right now because this lingering calf issue. And on the, on the other side of this, we had the best duo in Europe currently plays for Napoli. Nothing has been able to stop them so far this season. They're flying in their domestic league, which means they have very little to lose in Europe because they know if they get knocked out, no problem. We got this Scudetto in the bag anyway, right? Which means they're always going to go for it. So we went, all right, listen, it feels like Milan have probably the, the lowest chance of, of winning the competition from this point. Mind you, after that 4-0, cha- the, it just leveled the, those odds. Like, wait a second. That's like, that wasn't just a one. They didn't fluke a 1-0 win. They didn't win with a 90 plus seven penalty. This was like domination. Oh, damn. And then you went, you flew all the way out, bro. You brought that support from 6,000 kilometers away to say, yo, we're going and we're going to win. Because and now you did. And now you got momentum. Because at the end of the day, something that I always have told people, and I know you're a Man City fan, and I mean this with no disrespect, Man but City, truly, Benfica, the boys, but truly, you've got to, you know this better than anyone. The Champions League DNA is arguably the most important thing, apart from you know an obvious strong squad. Champions League DNA alone wins games. From mm-hmm. last season, from when you played, you know, against a Real Madrid team that looked down and out by the 88th minute, what happened, right? Like 100%. that's. That's that winner's mentality. And being the team that has the second most trophies in this competition, coming up against a team that's never been in this state of this mm. competition, they've never been past the uh, into the quarterfinals. Napoli, right. This is their first time in their history. Yeah, they've won in Europa League back in the Maradona days, right? But this is a different beast for them, not only for the players that are young, younger, but this is like a mentality for the club that, you know, the club's yeah. not adjusted to this kind of atmosphere coming up against a, a European giant. Like I'm not, uh, I'm biased. No, no, you're right to say that. Here. You're absolutely right. To we that. Are Anybody who refutes giant. AC Milan as a, as a European giant is, is crazy for sure. They are. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, and so, you're right, bro. I say all the time on this. I wrote off city ahead of the Bayern game. I was like, no, bro, listen, I don't care. Talent doesn't supersede pedigree and Bayern win this all the time. What, what right do I have to say that we're going to knock them up? N- mind you now, knock on wood, it looks like, like we're closer to it now than we were when I made those, those comments. Most definitely. But I was like, but I don't think that makes me wrong in what I said. That's, that's still true. The pedigree doesn't just come with being there and being comfortable with the territory of being in the quarters and being in the semis. It means crossing that line. We haven't done that. The players in our team haven't done that. So I can't sit here and say, oh yeah, you know that like we're gonna we're gonna beat Bayern Munich says who why because we're more talented maybe maybe but you can't just say oh City are better so they're gonna win that's not how this competition works and I will refute that even as a City fan because I try to keep it honest I keep it 100 bro I got to tell people like listen I support them don't get me wrong I'll bleed it but pump the brakes here when we get a little bit overzealous here mind you I did get a little overzealous with my Benfica show too though because I was like nah V come on Benfica have to get this done but I will say this. I did also watch that Benfica game in, uh, funny enough, in a shisha bar. Uh, oh, it, it was just like the experience of that entire trip was just 
absurd. Like I like yeah. I lived it, and yet I still don't believe that right. I was there. Um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean by that. Exactly. I had that uh, same thing when I went to the when I went to watch City play in Manchester. Couldn't believe it when I came back. If I didn't have the pictures, I wouldn't believe when I went. Same thing with Benfica when I went to the to the Stade I'm like, shut up! I wasn't there. No way. I saw these <laughs> dudes. Nah, not me, man. It does, it feels like a fever dream, right? You're like, right. you can't believe that you lived it. Anyway, right. no, but, but after watching that Inter Benfica game, I'll be honest. Inter did play the game of their life, right? Like, bro, I believe that, I was that, that, that was easily the best game I've ever seen Inter play in the last almost two years and right. i've i've seen them like massacre my milan team in the super cup final recently like this this was still like i i was shocked they had some you know, horseshoes they, they were, were closing out every single thing Benfica. i don't think benfica had a bad game i think inter like for whatever reason like leveled themselves up right yeah but you know they're coming off a terrible result against monza just this weekend mm-hmm Mentality. But sorry, Benfica. Be... We lost two to Chavez, bro. We lost to like a. But that's like, like the third or the fourth loss of the season only, and they've got eleven in the league alone. It is. You true. know what I mean? Benfica is. It's it's more than fair to say people talk a lot about Napoli. I think Benfica has been the best team in Europe this year. I truly believe that. Maybe the the bright, maybe among the brightest revelations in August. I don't know if you know, but back in August, I predicted that I said that Benfica are the team most likely to recreate the Ajax-esque run in the Champions League, because I said, trust me. Like th- this crop, people don't know, but I know. And what you guys are going to see is going to be something really special. And I, I edged them to go past. I didn't think they'd reach the final, but I thought they'd beat Inter. They still might, because you're right. They The way that they were playing, it felt like if this game gets played 10 times, but if you could don't lose eight of them, they don't lose nine of them. They don't, I don't even think they lose exactly. six of them, bro. That's exactly you know what I mean? like, how I felt. And maybe it's because I'm a Milan fan. It comes off as, oh, this guy's just writing them off because it's in- maybe Inter we're in the perfect little game. We're in this perfect little triangle here. We're two points of it. I have the Benfica edge. You have the hate Inter edge or and Inter is that other corner. At but nonetheless, day, bro. I think Inter has been fantastic in cha- the Champions League. And yeah, but the they've been just good with- at shutting teams out, bro. Like it's actually kind of, even what they did there against against Porto, when I saw that game and I went, oh, they were very clinical for 90 minutes, but capitulated at the end and Porto weren't clinical enough. I was like, Benfica will be clinical enough in those moments. So if they're not perfect for the entire game, they're going to have a tough time. And they were. And I'm like, damn it. And I hate that Lukaku came on to score the pen too. I'm like, come on, bro. Like we have to, like, this is, it was one of those, you know, you're playing FIFA and you're just frustrated because everything you're doing is just not working. And they're just like a step ahead of you. And you're like, come on, bro. What are we doing here? I hate also that City were playing at the same time. So I had to split my vision to try to flip between these two teams. But nonetheless, we'll see. We'll see what happens. The next week's episode, when we do it, we should have all the results queued up for, for the semi, right? So we'll be able to, to talk about it. The boys will be back. We'll talk all about the Champions League. And I'll either be sitting here, one of one of these scenarios, City are in and Benfica are out. City, Benfica are both in. Or, you know, the, the opposite of those two scenarios. So we'll see where we're at in a week's time, bro. I mean, listen, two goals just to tie it up and then a third goal. I, I don't think that's an impossible defeat for, right. you know, a player of Gonzalo Ramos' level that's been fantastic this year. Um, you know, obviously you guys did lose, unfortunately, Enzo Fernandez. But you guys have, to be fair, I don't think it's really affected your midfield that much, right? We've had some great system players plug the gaps left by Enzo, though the quality that Enzo could, like Enzo beat of course. the Jesus out of Juve. Enzo beat Juve. Like we beat Juve, but Enzo, Enzo beat Juve. Was the was yeah <laughs> by himself. He was just kind of like, yeah, listen, I'm just gonna lock up this whole midfield because everything that he does is is perfect, especially for Benfica. That we kept it for four months. Like just think of how crazy that is. We bought him for like ten mil. We could have bought him and just sold for him you four that... months later for 
120, the most expensive player in the history of the Premier League came from a four-month cycle at Benfica. You know, I got to see him play live. The very oh, yeah, first, the home I just opener realized. For I just realized that's crazy. the home opener for Benfica. I watched him score too. I have a video on my phone. That's crazy, crazy. And it, it pains madness. me that we had Maldini had an opportunity this summer to sign him from River Plate before you guys did, and he just oh. uh, he deliberated too long, and then you right. got it's you like guys we pulled have the trigger. Like, yeah, record. we got Tonali. What do we need him for? <laughs> Rui Costa, and then we we're like, oh yeah, it's okay. Rui Costa will take care of us. You know, he's a Milanese at heart. He'll sell him to us yeah. for cheap. No, he won't. Are you kidding me? 130 million? Are you? Yeah. Wake up. Who's saying yeah. no to that? Literally. Couldn't. He's like, no, I'm not selling him for less. And that's crazy. He's like, meet the price tag or he's not leaving. And Chelsea and Todd like, Bowie said, sure, no problem. Okay. Sounds good, bro. Nine figures, run it up. Easy peasy, man. Crazy. Anyway, let's let's get to the uh to the Milan squad because that was a nice little tangent here. But let's go back to it. I want to ask you, and we can kind of compare this season versus last season for the Milan side, but specifically, I want to ask you about some of these players, maybe kind of th- speak to how they've come on over the last year, or if they just arrived this season, what you think of them. We got to start with Magic Mike, right? As far as I'm concerned, there is no player that's a game changer quite like Mike Magnon. And I think in our Unsung Heroes episode, we referenced him too. And I did, I specifically said, I don't want to talk about goalies in that episode. And I went, wait, hold on. I forgot. I, I put Magnon here because the difference in levels that Magnon brings to the team, not just in terms of defensive solidity, but even Tomori is better with Magnon on the team because he Tomori, he's like Tomori's eyes and ears behind his head to make him aware of everything that's going on. The way that he sets up his free kicks, the way that he tells teams how to take free kicks, looking at the keeper's wall and where, where there's issues. His distribution, his shots. He, I think it's safe to say he's the best keeper in Europe this season. I think you'll you agree with me on that. Go beyond that. Tell me what you think about Mignon, honestly, as a, as a keeper, where he's at in terms of the world rankings right now, and why people are sleeping on him. I mean, I, I would go as far as to say that he has been the best goalkeeper since his Lille season. And maybe that's, that's crazy. But when he you look at a team, good back then. when you look at that team good. beating a PSG side that, you know, was fantastic, right? That's this jersey. I have this one here. That was the right? commemorative. Yep. Right? When you see that they beat a PSG team that was fantastic and, you know, Taylor Navas had a fantastic season in Ligue 1 as well, but he still didn't match up with what Mike Mignon did in that year. Right. And then we had to make a decision of, are we keeping this youngster that we started since 16 years of age that grew up here? Are we going to pay him that $9 million that he wants plus his fee for, for his agent? Or are we going to f- go our separate ways, figure out something else? Right. And that's exactly what we did. We let go of... Gianluigi Donnarumma, who at that point was highly considered to be like the transcendent goalkeeper, the, yeah. you know, the Touted closest to thing the, will get to the, the Lev Yashin type, right? That's that's mm-hmm. what we were always saying, especially after he won that best player at the Euros trophy. People were saying, mm-hmm. if there's ever going to be a goalkeeper again that wins the Ballon d'Or, it's probably going to be Donnarumma. That, those were the talks that I was hearing, right? Yep. Or we trusted Maldini. And what does Maldini do? He spends a measly $16 million on the best goalkeeper in the world that year. Comes in. Changes the philosophy of that defense entirely. Yeah. At that point, we already had Tamori, who was, you know, great, but stepped it up even more when he would push up mm-hmm. and he'd get aggressive in those, you know, those aerial duels, those challenges. He'd get very, very more uh, aggressive because he knows he can trust that goalkeeper behind him. That he'll that goalkeeper will come out. Mignan will make tackles that, you know, a center back will be scared to make. Yeah. On top of, you know, the distribution that you mentioned, I, I truly believe. Had Mignon played in in England, we would be talking about him a lot more. I like, and I know this is all. Yeah, of course, right. a Milan fan is always going to say this, but truly, like, 
if you watch these games, there's no one that changes the like the dynamic of a team as a goalkeeper as much as Mike Mignon does. Yeah. I think you're right to say I think people like Prem bias exists and the and the you know Barca and Madrid bias exists. We understand that. And there will be a lot of people who don't watch games who they will say, well, if he was that good, he'd be playing here. And I hate that line of logic. Like to discredit people's accomplishments because you don't watch it, I think is not fair to them, right? Because even look at, we can go back to Enzo. We're just talking about this. People will go, he was playing in Argentina six months ago. And then what? He played in, in the Portuguese league. Like, so what? how is that guy worth 130 mil? And then you kind of go through it. What is his impact on the team? Well, he's the brains and the heart and the lungs of every midfield. And yes, Chelsea, you know, it's a different problem right now with what they have going on. That doesn't take away from his ability. That doesn't mean he's going to be perfect every game either. But even at the World Cup, when I was like, yo, they didn't play him for the first game. Even their coach doesn't know. Like, bro, this is your guy. Play him and watch what happens to the team. And once he got into the team, he was undroppable. They're like, oh, God, this is this is the best dude. He ends up winning best young player of the tournament. I know exactly what you mean. That's, that's a note on Enzo. But people wouldn't have known that if they were only watching the prep, right? The wealth of experience that Mignon has, you know, coming in with championship pedigree, right? People would sleep on that. They're like, oh, he's coming from Lille. Like, what does that actually mean? Who cares? Dude came in as a champion, right? As the best goalie in the league to knock off PSG. And I know PSG go like eight for 10 in the league, right? Monaco had that season a couple years back. Look what happened to the Monaco side. Look what, ha- look what happened to all those players. Bernardo Silva was in that Ransom. team. Killing Mbappe was in that team. They took, Thomas Lamar was in that team. They took everybody from there. And that's what happened with Lille. You know, TJW 101, episode 101, 89 episodes ago was called Blowing Up Lille because we did exactly that. We were like, all these dudes are going to go. Like, <laughs> all these guys are going. Like, there's no way. We put, I pitched Ikone to the Serie A and he ended up going to the Serie A, just not to the team that I predicted. Right. I was like, um, it, when Wea steps up, it'll be here. When when um, David steps up, it'll be here. Renato Sanchez is already gone. Like, all these dudes are going to be, and Manuel had already made the transfer at that point. And I was like, of course. Obviously, because if he didn't, he was going to go anyway. The talent that's there to, to discredit Milan or to discredit Magnon because he plays for Milan or because he plays in the Syrah would be the same thing to say that what Victor Osman is doing right now is irrelevant or what Kvaradana is doing right now is irrelevant or what Barella does or what uh, Sergei Malikovic Savage does. All of these like world-class fringe players who are world beaters to say, well, they don't do it in the Prem, so, so I can't like rate their achievements. I can't enter a discussion with that line of logic because and i'm not throwing shade at anybody but it's like it, it's based on ignorance like you don't know oh, like once you see it you're like oh oh i didn't know that that i was unfamiliar with your game sir my sincerest apologies right it's one of those things and i think manya offers that to the highest degree and yeah the exposure would be higher if he was playing for madrid or, or manchester united or something like that that had you know the, the biggest ones in the world with the tv rights and the champions league and everything else but he's also the france number one now now and people it's funny will you bring that up. right because me and you talked about this segues. right me and you talked i was just gonna bring that up I'm, I'm so glad you said that because not my first the, rodeo here Vlad. you know where i'm going with this shit hey bro. man hey man right <laughs> um and i we have the excuse right now that we'll always hold against them that menyan was injured going to the world cup right but me and you considering the prem bias throughout football in general not just fans but football in general is it fair to say that we still believe that Hugo Lloris would have probably still been starting those matches instead of Mike Mignon. If that was the case, France would have just been conceding defeat at that point. Like if you're going with Thank you. tried and true ahead of clearly the better option, I would have been like, you're crazy. You're, you can't, you can't do that. You just can't do that. And I think that Lloris, people know on this show, I'm not kind to Hugo Lloris or Spurs in any capacity, 
I don't rate Larissa having since 2014, 15, somewhere in that range where I was like, okay, he's got decent reflexes. After that, I'm like, oh no, his decision-making's gone. Like everything that was once great about him is gone here. And Manuel's better at everything. Manuel would have been the starter. And to be honest, you look at the impact that Martinez had on the other end in, in net for Argentina. I think it's a very safe statement to say that if France had their best goalie as well, they probably would have would have won that. Mind you, people will look at me as a hater because I didn't think Argentina were going to win anyway. So I, I have to hold my hands up there. It's like, listen, if you want to discredit me because I said that Argentina wouldn't have won, I got to hold my hands up. But mm-hmm. I think we can all agree a better keeper can definitely change the game for anybody because every team knows you have your number one and then your backup. And your backup usually is levels below your number one. It's the nature of the position, right? You can't have two world-class ones because if somebody's world-class, they want to go. They want to play. 100%. 100%. Shall we keep going? Honest assessment of a few more players, and then you'll tell us an all-time story, and then we can wrap it. Uh, tell me about the boy wonder, Rafa Leal. As a pork chop, you know, I have my history with Rafa Leal. I love me some Rafa Leal. Not quite the same player this season as he was last season, but I think last season he took the biggest steps forward, and if he's going two steps forward, one step back, or three steps forward, one step back, but he's always on the ascension, I'm okay with that. I feel like last season we witnessed the Leal season that he would never turn back to it's like as of this moment he's now at this caliber player and this is now his new floor not his new ceiling but his new floor this is where he will always be at this point he ends up dipping a little bit below that fine but the the foundation is there for him to continue to build and i think he knows that and i think it's a little bit nerve-wracking because he hasn't signed that new contract yet and i'm sure that that keeps you up at night at times talk to me about his evolution over the last year and his impact this season the way you describe that is fantastic. Like that's exactly the way I see Leal. That last season was essentially, you know, his that like his new floor that was brought up, right? Um, for me, I've been told that this is an extremely biased take. I truly don't believe this. I think Rafael Leal is within the top ten players in world football right now. Is that fair the to top say? Top ten. Can Ooh, we name nine players better than Rafael Leal? We can name probably nine, but I don't think more than that. I feel like we could definitely, that would be a whole episode that we could do. Cause I would have to, I couldn't answer that on the spot. I'd have to seriously think about that. Cause I'm very, I'm very calculated in my decisions. Right. right. I think that Rafa Leao, if we can frame it differently is among the top five best players in his position in world football, which as a left winger is a tall order. So if you're one of the top five best left wingers on planet earth, you are in some pretty elite company, right? So even if it's not a top 10 player in the world, it's definitely world-class fringe because we'd be taught who else is in that conversation for for the best left wingers in the world you'd probably look at somebody you'd look at mbappe you'd look at vinicius and you'd go and you'd, you'd it, maybe go right you'd go okay even Mane's f- fallen off deeply this season from, from what's going on right so you look at all the other wingers in the world you go cavada's having a fantastic season oh. this this season but maybe he's not that's on form that's not on class because we don't know what's going to happen from next season i'd enter layout at some point in that discussion then i'd have to go through all the teams be like okay well do I, do I give a shout to Grealish who's come on massively in the last little while? Maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Discretion is advised right up to, up to a person. But I would say if it's Mbappe and Vinicius as my two, I don't think I'd put Rafa there, but I'd say drop one down from, from those two. And then we're looking at Leao's probably leading the pack amongst the next best left wingers in the world. And that's some pretty elite company because you look at left wingers. If he was a right winger, if his style of play was just he was left footed playing off the right, I, you could probably say, yep, that's name me a better right winger. I don't know that I could. Vinicius and Mbappe happen to be like the two most electrifying dudes in the world right now. What, what are you going to do? There, there, there is a short kid, though, born in Rosario, Argentina. 
you know. Oh yeah. Well, he's, uh, he's a midfielder now. Uh, Playing through the middle, he doesn't <laughs> run anymore. That's a different guy. And I'll, I'll go as far as to say, there's also you know a little skinny guy that plays out in uh, in Turin. That's I'll I'll give him his flowers. Another Argentinian is pretty decent. Pretty fantastic, right? Hey, one of um, our own, a Benfica product. Exactly. Exactly. Don't forget. And but you know, will. just to bring up Lille again, you know, Leal also oh, purchased from Lille, right? Yep. So that summer when Osimhen as well, by the way. Yeah. Exactly. Crazy. The talent factory at Lille is pretty remarkable. Eden Hazard, like bro, they they produce some talents out there. So I look at it like this. That summer, uh, Nicolas Pepe was the big purchase, you know, 80 million to Arsenal. And yep. we got, you know, what everyone considered the short end of the stick where we paid 35 million for Rafael Leal, who is an unproven raw product. Right. What were we given once, you know, an experienced player like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, experienced player like Olivier Giroud, Simon Kier, came into the squad and brought in a mentality of, this is what you got to do to win. This is what this is what you got to sacrifice. This is how you got to push yourself to be able to elevate your game. Mm-hmm. This guy, I remember the first game Zlatan played. It was early January, just before COVID, and he scored. And then there was a photo of him celebrating with his arms up like this, and Leal was looking at him like like a kid looking at candy, and it's still like yeah, <gasps> like his eyes are shot up. And I remember he tweeted, he goes, "I used to play with this guy on PlayStation." Like yeah. I used to use this guy on FIFA. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's the way he feeling. sees playing with some of these fantastic, fantastic, legendary players, right? Mm-hmm. He's a very, he, he knows he's the king of Milan right now. He truly, like, he's the right. best player on the squad. He is the game changer. When he is at his best, we win games. Simple yeah. as. Like, the there's X-Factor. no team in the world that can stop us when Rafael is playing at his brilliant best. I truly believe that. This season, it's, it's been a, a little bit tough. It's a tall order. Yeah. Last season, season he was there, right? he drove them right to the scudetto because he was just he was unplayable for large parts of last season. He was like young CR7 type guy. He was electrifying off the wing. He was strong because people often think, oh, if he's pacey, he must not be strong, he must not be tall. He's like 6'1, bro. Like broken move. He's a proper athlete. Yeah, I, I rate Leo, but I think you and I to have a discussion about Leo will definitely come off as biased. But he has the point is whether or not people like it, he's come on leaps and bounds over the last season, over the last two years. Last season said his new kind of you know entered him into a new discussion this season it's okay to fall off in terms of production here and there as long as it's not substantial i would imagine that and you have every right to demand more from him after seeing what he did last season injuries haven't helped the squad i would say if you're advocating on behalf of of milan i'd say the departure of Francesi, of course is a massive absence as well because he's one of the players who i want to talk about too because there's not a whole lot of people i can enter the conversation with about how sick Francesi is because he's underrated and people see him at bars they're like, oh, he's just a backup. But like, they don't know. They're unfamiliar with his game. And I rate this dude so highly. I know he doesn't play for your club anymore, but talk to me about the absence. We'll segue this into the midfield of Tonali, of Benessar. You at one point had, bro, Francesi, Benessar, and Tonali all together in this midfield. That's a winning midfield. There's no wonder why they won last season. Of course they did. That Benessi double pivot was was something like I've never seen before because mm. you just had a kid that just ran like like, like I've never seen Benessar run out of energy like this guy's just always yeah. moving oh like it's not even close to it but it's like like a Walmart version of Luka Modric like this guy is always moving <laughs> always always moving like he's always creating something right and then you had Kessie who he is a fantastic player I I. We'll never hold anything against Frank Kessie. You know, he's, he gave us a nice send-off with the final goal of the season when he hit us with a salute. He's, he's always going to be a president in my eyes, but asking for $7 million a year, knowing the financial 
and capabilities of Italy. Mm. Like you should have been able to look at it and say, I can take a pay cut because at the end of the day, there's other ways of making money other than, you know, mm. just a contract here. I'm loved by this club. I'm loved by this city and I can make something special happen here. If I'm, I'm in the peak of my powers right now in, in my, you know, late twenties, yeah. mid twenties, like I can be here for another three, four years and still perform fantastic. But right. he chose, you know, another seven mil a year at Barcelona. Now he, you know, he doesn't play every match, but he is, hate. he changes the game a lot. And he's, yeah. when he plays against Real Madrid, he always steps up for Barcelona. Every, I every thought game he was going to come in to the Prem, to be honest. I thought like his, I his thought, profile seemed like it was just a perfect thing. for the I saw, That seemed like a Newcastle signing to me, like if, I, if I've ever seen That's it. what I said, bro. I said that on the pod, dude. You must be listening to the jersey wall, bro. I pitched him in that midfield. I was like, dude, you have to go get these guys. Him and Bruno Guimaraes, oof. Can you imagine? That double pivot would be nasty. Oh, oh, there we go. There we go. You know, I have the Bruno G jersey, bro. I love me some Bruno Guimaraes. I said... And I'm just, I shouldn't vent about Jersey Ball, but I love talking about Jersey Ball, dude. I said on the podcast, when that January transfer window happened, okay, when, when they came in, like basically a year and a bit ago, we did the top five signings of the January transfer window. I said, Bruno Guimaraes is the number one signing of the, Jan- of the January transfer window. And people don't know yet because people don't watch Liga, but watch, watch the impact that this dude has and the revelation that took place. The absolute, everything changed for Newcastle from that moment because they're like, oh, we got a world beater in our team and they didn't know that. Yeah, we could do a whole episode about like these underrated bosses in midfield. And and he's one of them and Frank's one of them. What about uh Tonali? Sandro Tonali seems like the hometown hero almost, right? Because he's got the Italian factor as well. Where he's like, if you if this dude hits his heights, we're looking at Andrea Pirlo levels of hype. We're looking at the maestro from deep. We're looking at the hair. We're looking at the set pieces. We're looking at the game control. He doesn't have to run all the time because Vanessa is going to run for him, but he's going to be able to dictate the pace of the game. Sometimes he's fit, sometimes he's not. Walk me through your expectations of him and what you'd like for his ceiling to be. Is it like, yeah, I want him to be world-class because he can get there? Is it like, you know what, keep doing your thing and I'll be happy with your performance? I actually find it very interesting that the first comparison, I may, I guess it is the hair at the end of the day. It's very it's the hair, you know, the easy. Italian, it's the center mid, it's the, it's the Serie well, My closest comparison is Rino Gattuso with, for, for mm-hmm. that guy, 100%. I mean, the way he plays with the passion that he plays with, Having a player that, you know, were, like idolizes this club, considering what we had to endure from when Zlatan and Thiago Silva left from 2013, to, well, they left 2012 summer, so 2013 to like 2019, I would say, of players that like, you know, weren't truly fans, but like you had the Sparks, you had, you know, Giacomo Bonaventura, you had Suzo, you had, uh, you know, Although Some the decent ages. players. The there dark was a ages. lot of players that came in, per to se. be fair. Per se, right? Know, we're talking Nottingham Forest-esque windows here. Just right. throw things until they stick. It messed up the culture, having, right? It did, big time. But now we have a player that, like, he I, like he remembers being, like, him being my age. He remembers being five and seven years old and watching that Istanbul mm. final and that Athens final and watching his favorite players, like Kaká, like Gattuso, like, you know, Pirlo, Sheva, Inzaghi, he remembers being there and like idolizing these kids. And he wants to be a part of that. And he's already getting to that level of this team will do anything to keep you. He took a pay cut this right. summer when we uh, he were, we were able to negotiate with Brescia for him to also take a pay cut on his own contract just to stay. That's how much mm. he, he will he will bleed for the shirt. Right. And even if he has a bad game, I will never hold that against specifically Santo Tonali. 
because I know he, it bothers him more than it bothers anyone else on that field. Right. Because he plays this. And it's, it's funny. It's something I've talked about with my friends when I was standing in that section where the players passed by, like, do you, do you think they know like that you're out in Richmond, Ontario, like crying, like literally bawling your eyes out every time these guys play, like if they knew that they would have all talked to you. Right. I'm like, they don't. But like, I can see that as a fan looking in that like Tonali is really just like me. He's just very talented at football. And it yeah. works out perfectly that he's able to, you know, live out his dream and walk off the standing ovations in the San Siro, which is, uh, it warms my, like it, it truly makes me happy that he's successful at Milan. Right. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I want him to stay forever. I truly want him to retire here and, and that's it. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, like the feeling of, and I know he came from a different club, but like, he feels like one of your own, right? It feels like, even if it's just the adopted son, it's like, no, this is, this is mine. This is the lineage. This is the blood. And watching them succeed is almost like you're hurt more if they don't. And you feel it more when they do. Cause even if Leao were to leave, you'd be like, oh, Rafa, I love you, bro. Like, I wish you'd stay the same thing with Frank Kessie, but with Tonali, it's like, no, you're one of us, bro. Like you're not leaving, bro. This is, this is you, you are us. You are the embodiment of every fan who puts on this Jersey. And you got to love that feeling, right? It's different. I want to ask you about one more uh, honest assessment of a player. Another one who I'm, I'm sure you're going to hype up because it's a long time admirer of this dude, the left back, the best left back in the world, Milan, Teo Hernandez, rate him, rate him for me. Let's go through it. Not, not, I don't think there's even a conversation to be had here. I, I know this <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but come on, this is the best left back in the world. And it's, it's not close, man. This guy, Maldini took him aside back in his uh, Real Madrid days. He met up with him in Ibiza. He said, listen, I'm the best left back in history. I'm the best defender in history. Yeah. I look at you and I know you can do better. Come to my side. We'll pay 25 mil for you. We'll figure it out. What does he do? He shows up within get, within three, four games. He scores a, a belter of a goal on the volley against Udinese. And we're like, holy. Like, we just had Ricardo Rodriguez playing left back. For yeah. I rated Ricardo Let's Rodriguez go. too at Wolfsburg before okay. he yeah. went. I was not at Mila. He never hit yeah. the heights. But I was like, at Wolfsburg, I was like, yo, this dude, like, in terms of inverted fullback, this dude's got a passing range. He's not super fast, but like broken play. And then at Milan, he just never hit those heights. He was missing pens. I'm like, I hyped you. You're making me look stupid here, bro. I was like, you gotta, you gotta deliver. But yo, sorry, back to it. Yeah, Teo is on another no, level. No, 100%. I truly believe that he's the best left back in the world. And I know there's, it's such a saturated position at this point because because fullbacks are so important in the modern day in terms of mm. we see with Trent, we see with Robertson, we see with Fonzie, we see with Jacques Cancelo. Those players move the game up the same way that we used to see the number 10 do it back mm. in, you know, 10, 12 years ago. But Teo brought something that we didn't have for so many years. And it was something that Rebic brought at a point as well. Which, when Rebic did sign, I was so, so happy because we were missing and lacking pace and speed in mm. that side for so long. Because we had a lot of, you know just talent in terms of passing the ball around. You know, if you get the ball to the goal scorers, he will score. But we didn't have the speed to compete at all. Right. And like, there is the conversation that Serie A is a slower league. You know, it is a lot more, you know, compact in the sense that you have to focus on, you know, breaking down a defense rather than just running through it. Yeah. But Teo does both. You know what I mean? Like Teo will run an entire pitch and score a goal. Teo will, yeah. we saw it in the World Cup. And it, it comes back to Didier Deschamps. Clearly, you know, he'd rather start Lucas Hernandez because Lucas Hernandez plays for Bayern. But, like, are we are we being serious here? Yeah. Taylor Hernandez has changed the game the last two years. This guy is rapid every time he's on the field. That left wing of Leao and, and Teo, it's just ball-carrying ability alone. Like, I rarely see us get stopped. 
And I yeah. know this is because I'm biased, but but like truly, like if we can find more than five clips of do- that duo being stopped when they're on a run, I'll be surprised. Well, you could put it up there with like name me a better left side in Europe. Name me the top five best left sides in Europe. Who is is it? Is it dominated by one position? Is it this? You know, they have the best left winger and they have a decent left back. Is it they have like really good, like they're competitive in each position, or they have a really good left back and an okay winger? Is the winger inverted, right? So that they allow for the overlaps. Bro, Rafa and, and Teo are just bombers. Both of them are just sprinters. They're athletes. They're dribblers. They're progressive carriers, right? there. And, and what they've added, especially with Rafa in the last little while, is that like kind of playing it through a little bit. Because let's be real, Teo always had that, right? He was like, nah, I'm across this shit and I know, I know where it's going. But Rafa now, even on the pass for the game-winning goal, where he's like, yo, I see the run over here. and Just kind of slice it through them. In terms of effectiveness, effectiveness of a left side, AC Milan are in that conversation of amongst the very best in the world. And as for if as for if uh, Teo is the best left back in the world, people will have their biases. Some people will will believe in the pedigree of Robertson. Some people will love the hype of Davies, right? But it's like we were saying before, bro. Just because a player plays in a league that you don't necessarily watch is not a reason to dismiss what they're doing because you might just not be familiar with their game. And what he's doing is about as good as anybody else in the world. And by the way, but it is worth saying. Blonde tail in particular Thank is you. a different beast. Thank you. Because like regular hair, t- I know I don't have much pedigree to talk about hair here, but I'm just saying like brown hair, <laughs> regular brown hair tail. He's eyes. He's, he's decent. He's okay. But you, but blonde tail pulls up. Forget it, bro. Facts. I don't know what it, it is. This guy, this guy lifts it up every single time he bleaches his hair, and like he, he's another player where we just talked about with uh, Tonali, and I, I believe this about Leao because I believe Leao. What I appreciate in Leal and in Teo a lot, are, they are fantastic players in terms of talent, but they have that understanding of what Milan brings to you know the history of football. Seven Champions Leagues, many people dismiss at the end of the day because they're like, oh, well, you haven't won since 2007. And yet Juventus has been in the competition every year since and didn't win it once, right? <laughs> but, but we're going to talk about, well, he's going to make it a bit, a move to a bigger club like Juve. Why? Because, because they win the Serie A 10 times in a row? Right. It's, I think what happened like was this, when the dark Teo... ages entered, right? That when the right. dark ages hit for Milan was the tenure of Juve. And so the recency bias will factor in and think that Juve is the bigger club because they won this good that's like, you know, what, nine years in a row or something like that. And it was when Milan fell off. But pre that, it was the Milan clubs. They dominated for the 2000s, right? So, but people have short memories. People forget. What are you going to so do? I, but I look at players like Teo, like Leao, like Tonali, who understand like the weight of the shirt. You know what I mean? Mm. They understand... Like this is like, and Tamori is another one. I don't know if you've watched his interviews for the Player Tribune and stuff like this, where he talked mm. about like when he walked through the San Siro and the Champions League. He goes, "Bro, I play for Milan." Like you know, like he was yeah. shocked. Like he, like he's like, "This is like, this is AC Milan." You know what I mean? Right. Like this is this is a, not just any club. This isn't like no disrespect, but this isn't Chelsea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because Chelsea. Joe's gonna I, take offense to that. <laughs> ah, listen, they. They've developed themselves, and uh, I'm a big fan of, for example, Didier Drogba. And like in right. the last two years, you know, winning two champions in the last ten years, you won two Champions Leagues. You've put yourself up in the, you know, in the history books in terms of a English club. But when you're talking Milan and Chelsea, it's apples and oranges here, right? It's mm. in terms of. Oh, I wish Joe was here for that episode. I'd love to watch you guys debate <laughs> between Chelsea and and Milan. That would be a hell of a discussion. I think Joe would just be like, "Who topped the group?" 
Who topped the oh, group? Here we go. Here we go. He's one of those. I know. I know it's in my blood because I do it every week with them. But I know he'd say that. It just it would be one of those conversations. But <laughs> no, Tamori. By the way, the ultimate reminder for Tamori. That's one of our. He's Canadian, bro. Don't ever yeah. forget. It's Canadian Maldini. blood running through that guy. Running through Calgarian that guy. Maldini. The Calgarian Maldini. That's a fantastic. I wish he declared for us, bro. I wish the idiot Southgate would either play him or just let him like leave the the cup tie because he can't. He's not playing anyway. Who cares? Let him come over. Exactly. I got. Two more things I want to go through with you. Mm-hmm. I want you to end on your story, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't get this. Rank these Milan legends. Gattuso, Pirlo, Seedorf, Kaká. Because at one point, this was your midfield, and the world will not appreciate how damn good that midfield is. These are four of the greatest midfielders of their generation in the history of the game. They all played together in the same eleven. And you got to witness it and be a fan of these boys. One to four. I know it's an impossible feat, but so I've rambled long though. enough. I got to ask you this, though. Do I have to rank them in their Milan stints or their all-time careers? Yeah, what they mean to you. Let's say let's say what they mean to in you. In their Milan stints. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got to be honest here. Pirlo, as a Milan fan, I, I can't stand him considering <laughs> the way he... You know, he disrespected us fans in terms of talking about like, oh, well, Real Madrid came calling, but like, you know what I mean? Mm. And like the way he left saying that we didn't resign him because he was old, which was not true, right? He requested an amount That's of money the that we didn't want to pay. It's 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 not true. He he as much as he's on good terms with the club, I'm not a fan of him. Mm. But I know what he did in his time at Milan was unprecedented to say the least. Right. So I rank Pirlo out of those four. I rank him number two, just behind Kaká. Interesting. Because Kaká is next to Sheva. Kaká is my idol growing up. I have See this jersey post. right here, bro. You got one too. I, I got. I got to move. I got to move. I, I got to show you. Show us. That sign poster right over there. Oh wow! You can zoom in later. You can see yeah, that. Yeah. It's a signed Kaká poster. Gifts it to me many, many years ago. But, um. Yeah, Kaká is an idol for me. That's the first Milan jersey I had was Kaká. Mm. Um, and like just I I look at it this way now that I've grown up and I'm able to, you know, more psychoanalyze what was done by this team. I look at that 2007 Champions League when we were put in the third qualifying round because of that point deduction. Kaká mm. single-handedly just carried us from is, is it fair to say that I've never seen a team go from third qualifying round to Champions League winners in Athens? Like, I, I, I don't think that's ever happened. I couldn't tell you another example. Right? So I look at that. So I got Kaká number two. I look at the most underrated midfielder in the history of football in Clarence Seedorf. But it's come to the point where we all say that he's underrated. So is he really underrated? Right. Right? Because we all know he's underrated. Mm-hmm. So is he just properly rated now that we all know that he's the most underrated footballer in the history of the game? Because we talk about a player that's the only player in football history to win the Champions League with three different clubs. What a feat. What and, then, and then we look at the pit bull. The, like, we, talk, we talked about unsung heroes earlier. This guy, Catuzo, some people look at him now and be like, oh, well, he, he couldn't do anything. He, he's just a tackle merchant. Are you kidding? Did you watch the 2006 World Cup final? Did you watch mm. the 2003 final of the Champions League? Juve, a Juve team full of a prime Del Piero, like a right. peak strength. Uh, Pavel Nedved coming off a of Ballon d'Or, undeserved. But, you know, a Ballon d'Or <laughs> winning uh, Pavel Nedved. Well, I believe actually he missed that match. But still, nevertheless, like, 
what Gattuso brought to a team is not seen in football anymore. Like th- that mm-hmm. midfield is, a, and that's why I love. We were talking about Tonali earlier. He, it's a dying breed of footballer where right. you have that kid that will just run the field. Him and Benasser running the field the entire game, trying to see what he can, you know, stop, cut out a passing lane, just you know, fighting for the badge. Right. Like I have to put him number four because of the the strength of those other three. But right. Man, like I'm forever grateful that that I was think a midfield at my club. The the thing with players like that, and you could probably group the Roy Keens of the world or the Patrick Vieiras of the world into a similar conversation in terms of the the impact captain from deep who just let everybody know that he was there and will go to war for the team and war for the badge. I think they would probably put themselves at the bottom of the list too to be like, no, 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 I did what I did to propel these dudes who are better than me to allow them to take over games. But my job was to be the enforcer, was to be the the leader, was to scream at people when they weren't being good enough, and, and keep it that way. So I think, I think I like the way that you uh, that you put the list there. Though I didn't know that you had the the, the Pirlo beef. I think that that I like that you can kind of compartmentalize them to be like, I don't like what you did. Damn, you were a good player for us at, at that one point, too. And to be fair, yeah, listen, look at the jerseys on this one, bro. Pirlo's here, Kaka's here. I don't have Cedar, I forget too, so, but I think it's fitting that uh, that one and two are both on this wall anyway, though, right? To end the show, bro, you met one of these legends, didn't you, bro? Sure did. How did this sure come did. about? Because when I tell people this story, they, they can't get over They're like, hold on. What? He's a Milan fan, <laughs> and his name is Milan. That's the part they can't get over. I'm like, you're missing the point here. Yes, he's a Milan fan named Milan, but he met. Go ahead, tell the story, bro. Right. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll get into that really quickly. Um, yeah, my name is Milan. Uh, my mom's name is Redmila, and her thing was she wanted to try to name me after her. So the closest thing she could have thought uh. of was taking the last four letters of her name and seeing what she can do with that. So she went with Milan. Uh, and my uncle... That's a nice story. God rest his soul. My uncle, since I was born... To, when I first got into football, I loved Wayne Rooney, actually. He was my favorite player growing up. Mm. So I loved Wayne Rooney. And then when I saw my uncle for the first time in so many years, he told me, you're telling me Rooney's your favorite player? My, since 2000, I've been a Milan fan, and you're telling me Rooney's your favorite player? <laughs> At that point, there was no conversation ever about Rooney, about Manchester United, about anything right. of that sort. It was Milan and strictly Milan. And uh, yeah, and after that, like, listen... There's t- the teams that I support in in sports like the Raptors, like Milan, like you know these clubs that I support. I'll bleed for them, like I truly right. will bleed for them. you. You cut me open, I'll bleed out red and black. The same way yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Kobe Bryant said that one arm will be purple and gold, the other arm will be red and black. Mm. Um. So that's yeah, a that, w- quote. That's a that sick was quote, to be fair from Kobe. Oh, that's a sick quote. So that was for me the main reason supporting Milan and. You know, going to the game, like, I was just thinking, like, man, my uncle would have loved this. Like, I'm so happy mm. that I've been able to experience this. Like, it, it was it was something that I had to do for myself, but also for him after knowing, like, how much he inspired my, you know, my footy. Like, because, you know, some people say, oh, this guy put you on Milan, and then you come in, and for about six years, you're suffering because you can't even talk to anyone about the fact that you've got Lapadula right. playing up top and <laughs> Luis Adriano as your marquee signing. You know what I mean? Right. But you know, after all of that, there's a quote that Milan fans have that we always use. And it's after every Istanbul, there's an Athens. Mm. And, and we use the, we, we run that to death. Like we, we run that to the ground. Like we love that quote. You know, a quote that also is that appears in the greatest movie of all time. The night is darkest before the dawn, bro. That's a bad, that's the dark night. The night is darkest before the dawn. You're going to lose the final, but you're going to come back to all new to, to the light, bro. And that's exactly it. 
So, yeah, so that's kind of the history of why I picked Milan and why, you know, Milan has always been my side because of that. But, you know, I work part time at a Starbucks, just, a you know, average Starbucks in Richmond Hill, nothing crazy. Um, but if you're, you know, familiar with Richmond Hill as a whole, it's a very Persian Iranian neighborhood. So mm. if you're aware of what was happening, well, has been happening, but what was happening earlier on back in October, November was the situation with the Iranian government. Uh, women's rights, you know, activism that was happening right now. So there were a lot of protests that were happening pretty much every single week. Um, and if you're not aware, Clarence Seydorf, you know, just an average guy, is actually married to a woman that lives in Richmond Hill, who he had ended up moving to Dubai with, but has been coming back and forth throughout uh, the GTA because him and Khabib Nurmagomedov, MMA fighter, have opened a MMA slash footy academy school out here. And people have noticed him, you know, at LA Fitness, around my area, at, you know, just booster juices, like random random spots, right? right. Like, oh, could you imagine this guy walks into a Starbucks one day? Could you imagine? <laughs> We're like, yeah, that'll never happen. Like, relax, it'll never happen. So here I am. There's a protest happening outside. Here I am. It's really busy because of the protest because everyone's around. Oh, let's go grab a coffee, right? Um, And I'm changing the garbages right at the front door of the gas station because my Starbucks is in a gas station. I'm changing the garbages and I look to my left and I just see Clarence and Sadorf walk in and I go, oh. I couldn't even imagine. And I, and like this guy goes, like he realizes I recognize he goes, like, chill, like relax. Yeah. Right. But I like, I like have my name tag on, which is the Milan badge itself is my name tag with just the word Milan right next to it. Um, so I just go, oh. and like my, I, yeah. I have a mask on, but my eyes are lit up like, like, it, like an ecstasy that you will never see ever yeah. ever right and i'm like oh my goodness can i get a picture like that's i didn't say i, I didn't even say hi i'm like can i get a picture yeah. like there's no way right and he yeah. goes yeah like don't worry i got you <laughs> like he was super nice it's like chill man <laughs> and i'm like i'm going nuts right and there's no one on the floor with me that knows who the hell just walked through the gas right. station are you guys fucking serious like, yeah <laughs> what are we talking about here this is you guys don't know who that is so then i watch royalty right. bro so so, that, so then i come into the back i'm like there's a celebrity in our cafe right now and it goes really who i'm like he's, he's a soccer player and then he goes so i'm like okay this is how i'm gonna explain it to him so I, what do i google clarence sadorf network i right. show this guy says 20 million years 20 million. <laughs> he goes oh wow <laughs> so then I'm scouring have to quantify the, back. the stardom. I'm like bouncing around the walls in the back. I'm going crazy. I need to find a sheet of paper. I need something to sign for him. Like, I, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know what to do with myself, yeah. right? He comes up to the cash register and he's trying to pay him. Like, you won me a Champions League. You, what do you think you're paying for here? Yeah, exactly. Comped him so, for all the drinks. Comped him for right. He's like, oh, I want to get something from my wife too. I'm like, don't worry, bro. I, I'll put it in the oven. Get it all. Anything you want. You want. A, he wanted a pumpkin loaf. I got him a pumpkin loaf. He wanted egg bites. I got him egg bites. It was, it was no issues, right? <laughs> So then this guy's uh, making one of his drinks and then he goes, are you famous or something? <laughs> so Sador's face! And Sador goes, yeah, ask your friend. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus oh. Christ. So then, so then there I am. He goes, yeah, Yo, you want to finish off this last drink? I'm like, sure, sure. So I'm making, I'm making the coffee and I'm like, so, you know, customer connections. So Clarence, any plans today? And this guy's just on his phone. Like I'm thinking like this guy's on WhatsApp right in front of me. Yeah. Like, Probably he could have Sheva right there, Maldini right Literally. in front of me, like just chatting with him. Yeah. Talking, so you wouldn't like, believe you... who's fangirling in front of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dog, like, I, like, do you, like, do you understand, like, what you mean to me? Like, you, I don't think you get it. 
so I got him I got him to sign a sheet for me he wrote to Milan best wishes Seydorf and it was so funny at the game when you can see the Amazon Italia team of Cannavaro Seydorf uh Mm. (laughs) standing outside as you know I'm just oh my old friend from Starbucks good friend of mine my close personal friend Clarence yeah my, my old buddy so yeah, that was that was something that, like I'll never forget that experience of him just walking in and I'm like, are you still like are you kidding me? Like Yeah, that's the craziest shit of all time. If would that be I guess that's like top three best case scenario for you all time to meet, right? It would have probably been what Maldini, uh Kaka, and then him. Oh, Chev has got to be in there though. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. As an Eastern we're European, we're not gonna diss the accomplishment, but we're just as an Eastern start. European myself, you know, Sheva is someone that came from an area of the world like me, won a ballot right. door, you know. Uh, like Shevchenko for me is is one of the, another unsung hero that doesn't get the respect he deserves. I think not too far off the level of Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry also robbed of a Ballon d'Or. So had he mm. had that, there we would have had a more even playing field discussion on on this topic. Right. But yeah, man, I it was unbelievable. Like because that weekend I was also going to a event where that Allstate put out together. It was basically meeting a bunch of Toronto FC players. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My friend Mina was there. He got uh, Bobby Robson to sign his Yeah, jersey. Bobby Robson. Yeah, yeah. I have a picture of Bobby Robson. And I got a picture of Lorenzo Insigne. Like, the fact that within 48 hours, I shook hands with Lorenzo Insigne and with yeah. Clarence Seedorf. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was an unbelievable experience and something I'll definitely be telling my kids about one day. Yeah, but what a crazy accomplishment. I had Insigne sign my TFC jersey on one of the first Amazing. games that he played in because I was just behind the barricade barking barking and his manager was like all right well, let me get this kid like let me get his jersey he grabbed it he signed it gave it back to me i'm like oh my god what just happened it, the only thing i can compare it to i didn't talk to him though this was just across the barrier yeah was when i bumped into carlo ancelotti at the airport which was more just like again it goes back to the i feel your elation in the sedorf story that i can't put i can't compare it to i'm just i just i i don't even envy you i'm like that's just so amazing you got to experience that dream for yourself when I met Ancelotti, he didn't say a word. You know Carlo Ancelotti's demeanor. Didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. I said I, some combination of Italian, which I don't speak, Spanish, <laughs> English, all the languages that... Because he's managed in every country, right? I speak yeah. Spanish. I speak English. I speak French. I, I know that he's Italian, so I'm going to try my best to say something in Italian yeah. to him. He looked at me, raised the eyebrow, <laughs> took the picture. I kept looking. I was like, oh my God, what, what just happened? Like he, How did he's I just... just- yeah, he's just catching his connecting flight to Vancouver. Like, you know, right. And I'm trying to just like be cool because if I if I let the world know, if I fangirl, he's gonna get bum rushed from people who don't know who he is. For sure. But for he's sure. he's casually walking through and I look at him I'm like, I'm walking with Lee, like we're just through the airport. I'm just like, it looks an awful lot like Carlo Echelotti, right? And <laughs> and as he rolls by, he's got his little wheelie bag and it has the material yeah. going. I was like, that's definitely <laughs> Carlo Echelotti. So I run to him, I was like. Carlo, scusato, Carlo. <laughs> and then I said in Spanish, puedo tomar un foto conmigo? And he's like, and he looked at me like, all right, yeah, bro. sure. So I turn around, Leah's not there because she didn't follow me. And I was like, ah, get, the, get over here. She just she sees you following over. some random white haired guy, right. which is like, what was she runs over, she takes the picture. And then I was just like, oh my God, congratulations on everything. You're, you're, <laughs> you're the greatest manager ever, bro. And then he just, he just kept rolling with his little wheelie bag. Didn't break a sweat, barely broke a stride. As cool as you like it. I'm just like, well, that was what just happened? I went to go sit. I literally said, I put that picture on my story. I said it to everybody I know who watches footy. I was like, I remember somebody react. That story. Somebody react right now because I don't know how to quantify what just happened. The people who I'm with don't care enough that this just happened or what this actually means. You understand? This dude's won every league. The only <laughs> dude to do that. Yeah, just absolutely ridiculous. But 
Anyway, don't let this don't let this episode end on end on my story. It should have ended on yours. No, no. Sometimes you meet you meet your heroes and they're just crazy, man. <laughs> Dude, we've been going for like ninety minutes. Can you I, believe I, it? I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I, I I'm enjoying this conversation so much. So yeah, we'll have to bring you back for a part two on another episode. But usually we tend to wrap at this point. I don't usually go longer than an hour thirty. But guys. This has been it. We got to give a round of applause. Milan, we haven't had a guest on it some time, bro. It's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much for joining us and for tuning in, everybody. It's episode number 190 of the Jersey Wall Podcast. Milan, final thoughts, bro, on today's episode on Milan as a club. Any ambitions, things you'd like to get off your chest before we wrap? I mean, before I say anything, I'd like to say thank you so much for having me. You know, speaking about this experience, this is like telling anyone about this is just like, oh, that's cool, right? But like someone right. that understands the severity of the, of the moment of you know being yeah. on a wednesday night in the san siro with that anthem playing being able to tell that story to anyone like it's it, it gets a weight off my chest that makes me you know happy yeah it's not i wouldn't say the, i maybe i'm not wording it properly but in, in the sense of i am so grateful to be able to share this story with someone that knows what i'm experiencing mm. right um and i mean i'll say this about milan you know we're coming into a big tuesday night we're coming into the final stretch of the season you know, a semifinal against either Benfica or Inter, two strong teams, but I don't think teams that we wouldn't be able to beat. Mm. Dare I say, 2023 is the year Milan gets number eight? Oh. <laughs> Yo, if you don't back them, who will? So I won't even refute it. I'll let you have the moment, bro. Forza Milan. Why not? Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode number 190 of the Jersey Wall Podcast. We hope you enjoyed a Champions League night in Milan. If you're an Inter fan, I guess you didn't like this episode very much. But for everybody else, this one should have been pretty fun, right? We don't do enough episodes like this, but we're 10 away from 200. We had to get something special. Milano, it was so awesome to have you here with us. Guys, you can follow me on social media at the Nathan Santos and everywhere else at the Jersey Wall on Instagram, the Jersey Wall Pod, YouTube, the Jersey Wall. Find it everywhere. The link is in the description. Click on it. Milan, where can we find more from you, brother? Uh, at Milano. So three N's, two O's on IG. I'm on Twitter. I'm, uh, you know, I, I haven't podcasted in a while. I should try to get back into it. I've, you know, I used to run a slightly biased sports talks pod with my buddy <laughs> Bowen back from us, uh, back from Ryerson or TMU at this point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm around. You'll, you'll see around. me around. I'll definitely, uh, I'm more than happy to come back again on uh, the Jersey wall. I, I, I'd be more than happy to talk football with, with you, with me, no, with anybody. So absolutely bro we'd love to have you back this episode is so fun we got to do another one if for nothing else just to really dig it into those inter fans maybe we can come on our next episode if we're going to talk about anything syria you're the new delegate we'll bring you on we'll have a whole panel of syria experts and just let them refute each other i'll let you debate with joe i can't wait for it guys thanks so much for tuning in each and every week we absolutely love you we'll see you next time right here on the